And let's stand together, open our Bible to Mark chapter 9. Mark 9, I'm going to read a text that has been referenced in most of the messages that we've preached out of this chapter, but now specifically speaking on this story, this tragic situation with the young man possessed of the demon. Look what it says in verse 17. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and ran him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand, lifted him up, and he rose. And when he was come to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said to them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. If we look at the text, we know the story. The disciples, Peter, James, and John, have come down off the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great multitude gathered around, and they are looking at this boy, the madness of this child that is demon-possessed. And he speaks out. He's the one that is determined to reach the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one with the most desperate situation. And he says, verse 17, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. He is full of the devil. The Bible says in one of the sister texts that he was a lunatic. He just didn't act rationally. He was totally controlled. And if you, just by the words and the description in this text, look what it says, verse 18, he teareth. Can you imagine having a child in your house literally possessed of the devil, being torn apart? Satan's only goal with his child is to utterly devastate and destroy his life. He foameth and gnasheth. Can you imagine a father that can't go out, can't go anywhere? Everything is just embarrassment waiting to happen, tragedy around the corner. And note, I can imagine years, years without sleep, years without rest, years without answers. And uh, parents, don't be deceived for a minute thinking that Satan is going to wait until your child is a teenager to try to do something evil in his life or to his life uh, as Satan would love as early of a moment in the life of that child to get their attention. And he is doing that. Boy, has he ever been successful in this generation. He's been successful for thousands of years, but more successful than ever 
in this generation, somehow, somewhere along the line, this parent, this father, this family had allowed this kind of influence into the life of this child. And now they're paying a horrific consequence. And parents, uh, this is not unique to the previous generation is not unique to the world. There are Christians that are raising children with a dumb and deaf spirit. That's why you speak and they don't listen. That's why you command and they say, huh, I didn't hear you. Yes, you didn't hear because you have a, not the need of a hearing aid, but you have a dumb and deaf spirit. I'm not trying to lean too hard on the text or take it out of context. But you can tell when Satan is working in the heart and the life of your child, when they stop listening to authority, I don't understand. Uh, uh, My child said he didn't get any homework. No, he didn't listen to the fact that he was given homework because he has a dumb and deaf spirit. I don't understand he's intelligent, but he's flunking his classes. Of course, he doesn't listen. He has a dumb... Can I get an amen this morning instead of a... Dumb and deaf, look, can I get an amen from my congregation that says, have you ever seen a young person with a dumb and deaf spirit? Uh, Satan's influence was already becoming obvious. They didn't want to listen to anyone. They were too smart to listen to anyone. This child was a problem. And we have young people that are becoming problems in their own Christian homes because the influence of sin. We need parents like this one that will be honest enough to say, God, I've got a problem in my home. I've got a problem with my child. God, I need a solution from heaven because my parenting skills in the books and the conferences, whatever I've done has not worked until now. I need divine interference. I need divine, not just intervention, interference, because whatever you've been planning and scheming and dreaming is not functioning. Yes, sir. And what God does is always functional. Yes. Some of you sitting here, you know, you go back to your youth, you remember a time in your life where you had a dumb and deaf spirit. Right. And what happened? What brought the change? The spirit of God working in your life, getting your attention. You know what salvation does? You know what the spirit of God does? He cleans out your ears so you can hear. You can hear what God has to say for you and to you, but he's tearing at him. And look what it says. It says he foameth, he gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. We, we got young people sit down and get influence. Pine away. It's, I, I've been to a house before and it, it, a young person would show up, disappear, and, and it, you'd look at their eyes. It's like they just came out of a cave. They're pining away. Don't know how to interact with people their age. Don't know how to interact with adults. They, they hide. They love to shut the door and do who knows what. But they're spiritually pining away. You better get that child to Jesus. You better get God involved. You're, you're waiting for tragedy to happen. He said, I've. I've looked everywhere for solutions. I can't seem to find them. Verse 20, when he brings him to Jesus, when he saw him straightway, look what the Bible says, the spirit term. This is what Satan is all about, the destruction of lives, the destruction of children, and he's tearing homes apart, tearing children apart. He fell on the ground. He's constantly falling. 
If you have a child that's constantly falling, I don't know what I have to do. It's amazing in a Christian school, in a Christian environment, all the ways they're being propped up. I mean, you want to talk about positive peer pressures. You got pastors and assistant pastors and school teachers and friends trying to prop that kid up, and he still can't do right. He's still falling. If he can't stand up in this environment, he can't stand. Satan keeps throwing him down on his face. Amen, parents. We need parents that are spiritually aware of the condition of their children. Verse 22, look what he says. He said, oft times this demon, he casts him into the fire and into the waters to do what? To destroy him. Young people, you better understand, Satan does not have your best interests in mind. He is out to utterly destroy. I can't imagine a parent that's so fearful when everybody else says we're going to the lake. He says, I can't go because last time I went, that demon took that child and threw him under the water. And we panicked and the guys, we rushed out there and pulled him out. But had we not reacted so Right there in the moment, that child would have died. That demon's out to get him killed. We can't eat s'mores. We can't have a fire pit. We can't light the stove with him in the kitchen because Satan is constantly trying to destroy his life and throw him into the fire. That's good. And some of you say, I don't know how to keep my child out of trouble. It doesn't matter where I go, where I take him. He's always in trouble. You got a problem. Satan got a hold of that child. And here's what he does. He, he's smart enough despite the crowd to say, I need to get this boy to Jesus. He's full of the devil. You hand that child a cell phone uh, with unlimited access, you'll find out it won't take long. He'll be full of the devil. You hand him a TV and connected to cable, you'll find out it won't be long. He's going to be full of the devil. You give him any kind of access to music under the sun, it's not going to take long at all. He's going to be full of the devil you don't moderate his friendships and make sure he's around the right kind of influence it's not going to take long at all he's going to be full of that he can wear a suit and tie and carry a bible and sit in church every time the doors are open to be full of that full of the devil i didn't think i'd reach the day when i could silence capital city baptist church but if you're squirming this morning, it's because you've identified you've got a child that's full of the devil. You're the gatekeeper. If you have a pool, I had a friend years ago, uh, had a pool, and I just told him he had a gate around it, and the gate was up on a latch that was, I don't know, four or five feet high. And I said, you're not concerned, you've got little kids. He said, no, he said, every night before I go to bed, I just check that gate and make sure it's closed. I don't care if you check that gate or not. Well, I went to college with Sandy Arjo, one of my better friends in college, and his neighbor had a pool. One day, those boys were goofing around the yard, kicked that ball over the fence. His boy jumped over the fence and kept with that ball, tripped and fell in that pool and drowned. You're, you are the gate. There's nothing more tragic than thinking about the possibility of a child being in the wrong place. And... You better understand if you have dangers around you in this age that we live in, we're surrounded, surrounded by dangers for, for children. 
and those influences, there, there are kids here all dressed up and painted up and looking like some of the loveliest kids on the planet, but inside there is a heart that is vile because that door's been opened, that gate's been unlocked, and a parent has been left oblivious and unaware of the dangers. That child's already been there. Satan's already got a strong, not a foothold, a stronghold in their life. Parents, I want to wake you up this morning. I desperately want to wake you up. I've got three. I pray for them. I'm concerned for them. I'm thankful that they're young adults now and in church. That doesn't mean I let my guard down. That doesn't mean I stop praying. That doesn't mean I don't live concerned because I know that Satan's goal is to cast them into the water and cast them into the fire and to utterly destroy their lives. That is his goal. And here's what you have. You have a crazy world out there. You have a disoriented society. And here's what happened. When he come down the mountain, here's his father, here's his child, and you have a multitude of people around. They're almost delighting in this boy's craziness. They come down, they're almost delighting in the powerlessness of the disciples to resolve the situation, provide a solution, and cast out that devil. The glee of the world at the problems in society they, they, they are gleeful because they don't provide a solution. They just charge to act like they have one. Well, they'll send you to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and tell you to come for the next six months and pay them $100 a visit. And while they make money off of your misery, knowing they can't provide you a solution, knowing they cannot provide you any kind of permanent help. And if this boy had a good education, and if this boy had a better environment, and if this boy had a government check, and if this boy had prescription drugs, we can sedate him. I guarantee you, uh, had he lived in 2022, by the time he's four years old, they would have given this boy Ritalin. By the time he's five years old, uh, they would have sent him to the school psychologist. By the time he was six-year-old, they'd financed a sex change. By the time he was seven-year-old, this, this boy would have been even more messed up. Those that are supposed to be providing solutions are only providing more problems for the ones, the very ones they're supposed to be helping. And this is why Christ confronted them and said, faithless and perverse generation. You have Jesus Christ in your midst and you're still faithless and perverse. And Christian, how, how awful it is to think that we've been sitting in church, we've been around the gospel, we've been in the United States of America. Many of you have been, at, if not Capital City Baptist, another Baptist church, another godly influence. You've got the word of God in your language. You've got the Holy Spirit of God indwelling right. you. You've got the solution. Yes. To That's think good. that we would ever look to the world, to think that we would even look their direction like they can help us at all with anything in our home. Go look at those that want to provide you a solution. Their life is chaos. Their life is filled with prescription drugs. Their lives are full of depression. And he came down and confronted this crazy crowd that had no answer for this child. And this father's desperate because he's tried every single thing he could possibly try. 
I guarantee you, as soon as someone came saying, I know, I know a doctor around the corner, I know a therapist that just moved to town, I know someone 60 miles away, he had traveled by foot, by donkey, he had traveled everywhere to everyone that he could and yet found his situation only worse. Yes, sir. And here comes this desperate father. And sometimes, it, regrettably, we, we truly don't get serious about God until we reach a point of desperation. Isn't it sad that we cover up and ignore and justify and lie about the situation? It's okay, you know, he's a good kid with bad influences. No, he's a bad-hearted kid that has chosen, that has chosen those friendships because they're like-minded. And instead of lying to ourselves, we ought to get honest with ourselves and say, uh, God, I am desperate enough to know I've got to bring this child to you. You're the only one. You're the only one that can get a hold of his heart. And here's what happens. That child may be able to paint the outside in such a way to even convince mom and dad and teacher and everyone else, everything's okay and I'll be fine. Uh, but when they're 18, the first chance, first choice is to say, my heart's going to be revealed to the world. I am full of the devil. Thank you, preacher. I'm glad you didn't skip this part of chapter 9 of Mark. He came and he cries out. Look what it says, verse 22. He said, have compassion on us and help us. Some of you just haven't spent enough sleepless nights over that child. I mean, this mama can't sleep because she said, if I go to bed at night, this boy, this boy may kill me. Where, where can she go? She can't live a normal life. There's a baby shower. She can't go. She got a kid at home. That she has no idea what he's going to do, what he's going to burn down. He's going to flop into some water. He's going to pull something crazy. Deaf and dumb, he's crying out. He can't speak, but he's crazy in everything he's doing and saying. She said, I can't even go to the grocery store. I can't go to the temple. I can't go, I can't go to the market. I can't go to church. I can't go to a birthday party. You tell me one night she lays in her bed at night and sleeps from 10 to 6. One single night without hearing that kid flop around and flip around and bang on the floor and scream out. She's at the end of her rope. And she's saying, i got to have some kind of solution, honey. You go find a solution. Don't come back to this house until you find us a solution. I'm going to lose my mind if I have to deal with this any longer. And here's what he said, Lord. He didn't say, have compassion on that boy. He said, it's not just one person suffering in this house. When you've got, when you've got a child full of the devil, he's not the only one suffering. It's the whole house. Mama can't sleep, and daddy can't sleep, and those siblings can't sleep. Mama's just waiting for the next shenanigan. She's just waiting for the next bit of bad news. She's just waiting for the next teacher to come tell her something else has just happened. He is desperate. He said, Lord, if thou... Now, I want to remind you here, imperfect faith is not lack of faith. Anybody here have perfect faith? Can I, can I see a hand? I've got my glass on this morning, but I'd like to see a hand that says, i, I got perfect faith. This, this was amazing faith. It's just not perfect faith. None of us have perfect faith. So when he says, if thou canst do anything, how many of you have a situation in your home that you've doubted that God can truly fix? 
and you don't have someone foaming, frothing, gnashing. How many of you had your children actually throw themselves in the fire in the lake, try to drown themselves? Anybody here put up with that kind of craziness? This is one of the most extreme cases we see in all the Bible. And after exhausting every other possibility under the sun, you see this is not a lack of faith. This is a desperate father saying, God, whatever you can do, if you can do any, anything at all, if you can just calm him down, if you can just provide us a little bit of peace and rest, even if you don't totally fix the situation, if you halfway fix it is a whole lot better than what we're living. Absolute devastation that we have faced. Endless devastation. Our blood pressure is out of control. Our life is spiraling. I, I can imagine the marriage in this home. You know what this does to a marriage when you have this kind of stress and constant pressure that you can never move past, not a moment's rest in your day because of the craziness of a child. And Father, you may be able to sleep occasionally. I'm going to tell you something about that child. If a mom knows that she has a child with a spiritual problem, that mom doesn't ever rest. That mom never stops carrying the weight of that spiritual burden. And here's what he said. Jesus said he flips the script. And he said, no, it's not about if, if I can. It's about if thou canst believe. All things are possible. Now, I know uh, modern day, uh, I, I hate to even call it Christianity. This Pentecostal philosophy that is preached. Ah, you just... You just dream it up, you scheme it up, you point the finger at God, and he's got to do it. This is not at all what God is speaking about. That's right. That's right. This, this is saying, God, if, if, if you can, and God said, no, no, I, I, I can. This is about if I will, and folks, if we would understand fasting and praying, it's about understanding the will of God. This was not... You say, what a selfish prayer. Oh, no, no, this was spiritual. Obviously, there was some flesh in this. But when your flesh has reached this point of utter desperation, this is a spiritual cry. Yes, it includes a little bit of selfishness. God, I need, I need my life back. I need my wife back. I need my baby back. And Christ said, oh, I can, I can do that. Now, look at his prayer, verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out, and he said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Here's what he's saying, Lord, I need some, I need some now faith. I, I believe in you, and I, I have faith, but I'm, I'm talking about right now. Here's what happens in the in spiritual life. We, we have faith looking back in the past. Everyone here has experience from salvation, the hand of God, and answered prayer. You've seen miracles. The problem is we can talk back, I can tell you over the course of my life, whether Ashley and her health problems and her heart surgeries or our buildings in Argentina and Mexico, whatever it is, we can tell you about miraculous instances where God saved people and God provided funds and God provided miracles in the health of different people. But I'm not talking about the past. How many ever struggle with right now? You, you said Jesus is coming again and he's going to rescue us and the rapture is going to happen. He's going to make all wrongs right. You've got faith for the future and faith for the past. But what about right now? What about the situation right now? You're saying, well, right now I'm a little bit shaky. Yeah, right now I'm struggling with the moment. Right now I don't know what God's going to do if he can't do it. Right now I've got a situation in my family that if God doesn't intervene, the, the impossible is destined to happen because a miracle is not possible. He said, Lord, I believe. 
It's just right now, at this moment, looking at my baby, look at this situation. And your disciples, stunned, helpless, incapable. So, Lord, it's not that I'm lacking faith in you. I'm just saying right now, I'm struggling to believe there's a permanent solution for this problem. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever said, I'm talking about right now, the circumstance that I'm living in, God. I don't know the way forward. I, I don't know the fix. I don't know the solution. But God, you help my unbelief. I believe. Would you, would you help me just be, church, if we applied this, and I'm not going to take the time to do it today. I'm going to let you do the exercise, the spiritual exercise. You know why we're not growing? You know why there's some that aren't tithing, some that aren't involved in missions, some that aren't sowing? Because you've never prayed, oh, God, I, I believe in soul winning. I just don't do it. <laughs> Help my unbelief. God, I believe in giving. I believe in just in generosity, but there's just times I don't have enough faith to do what I'm supposed to do. Would you help my unbelief? Amen. God, I know I'm supposed to obey your word. I'm, I'm supposed to pray more often, but God, sometimes I believe enough in my flesh. I do it without prayer because I believe, but I need help with my yes. unbelief. I need faith for right now to overcome this, this fleshly doubt. And that's what he's crying out for. Now, aren't you glad we have a gracious God and Heavenly Father and a loving Lord Jesus that didn't say, I'm going to wait till your faith grows. We've almost created a culture that says you need to have faith in your faith. You don't need to increase your faith in your faith. You, you need to say, God, you're capable, and I, Lord, I'm going to cry out and say, help my unbelief. And here's the Lord's response. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit. Now, some of you need to take this first step in your home. Amen. Instead of allowing that to continue, you rebuke That's good. the foul spirit. That's, That's going to go on forever if it doesn't get rebuked. The Throw out the cable. You never even put covenant eyes. You never even put covenant eyes on your internet. And you wonder why there's a foul spirit in your home. It's called pornography. We're going to wait and let it get real quiet in here. Thou dumb and deaf spirit come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and ran him sore and came out of him. And he was one as dead. When the Holy Spirit of God does surgery on a man at salvation... People don't even know what to think. What is going on there? What is going on? And here's what's crazy. People complained about you before salvation. They said, that man has a dumb, deaf spirit. And then you got saved and God fixed it. And they don't know what to think. You don't have to be totally crazy, but you'd at least be half crazy. You'd at least be crazy with us on Friday nights. No, but God's in the business of so solving the problem that is permanently fixed and Christ said, I don't want this dumb and deaf spirit back again. Now, if you have a child with a dumb and deaf spirit, let me say the first place to start is salvation. Stop trying to tell that boy he's saved. If he didn't have Jesus inside of him, he's not saved. I don't care if you can point back to three or six or 12 or that revive or that profession of faith. If he is full of the devil, he needs to get born again. That's good. And if he's born again, he's allowed Satan's influence in his life. You need to rebuke that dumb and deaf spirit and say, we're not going to rebuke this again next week. We need, we need a permanent solution here. You know, we're in a culture that 
thinks the dumb and deaf spirit is actually normal behavior. The dumber and the deafer you are, the more normal you are in today's society. Hold on for a second. We've allowed that to permeate Christian culture. Well, you know, that's just teenagers at 13. They go deaf and dumb. Now that they got the Holy Spirit of God inside of them, they're listening to the Holy Spirit. Don't come tell me you turn 14 all of a sudden. You got an excuse to be dumb and deaf. Just because you were born dumb doesn't mean you need to stay dumb. <laughs> Spirit cried, he ran him sore, he came out of me. He was one dead in so much that many said he's dead, but Jesus took him up. Oh, how many of you enjoyed that song this morning? In loving kindness, yes. he lifted me. Yes. They thought you were done. They thought you were dead. They thought you were incurable. They thought you were hopeless. And Jesus Christ reached out and lifted you up. Verse 28. And the last thing we're going to see, here's these disciples, a little bit defeated. When he was come to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why, why could we not cast him out? Why, why could we help that boy? Why couldn't we do what we've been commanded to do? And he said to them, This kind cometh forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. Now this is really the theme of this month right here, prayer and fasting. And let me ask you this morning before we close, are you, are you even asking God for the impossible? If you've been fasting for a week, have, are you just torturing your flesh or are you asking God for the impossible? Have you focused on a case or two? Maybe it's on your bus or maybe it's in your neighborhood, maybe it's in your own home, wherever it is. If you said, God, it looks like that person has no hope. We're talking about God. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so I don't know if there's some demons more resistant. Why could the disciples cast out demons before this point and suddenly they found themselves incapable of casting out this demon? Let me just throw this in. Just because you had the power of God in your life yesterday doesn't mean you have the power of God in your life today. Just because you had the power of God in your life last week or last year doesn't mean you still have the power of God in your life. Now, people... Don't you believe that every single born-again child of God ought to have the power of God in their life? This is not just for pastors. This is not just for preachers. I'm not talking about casting out demons. I'm talking about you are called of God to do His will and do His work, and you need to have His power, and your children know you ought to have the power of God in your life. I, I remember... Uh, first time we had a situation in our house, broccoli. I won't explain to you what took place. All I know is that when we heard mom say, God, would you kill the liar? I knew my mom walked with God. I checked my heartbeat. And I looked at my brother and said, whoever's lying better confess it now because someone's going to die. Those kids ought to know the mama has power in her prayer life and daddy has power in his prayer life and we have too much powerless Christianity. Here's here's why why we have to have leadership conferences and everybody got to figure out how to do it because we're doing everything without the power and the touch and the blessing of God. 
We've had to perfect our preaching style. We've had to increase the talent on our platforms. We need praise teams. We need bigger choir. And I'm not against any of that. I'm, I thank God for talent. But at the end of the day, if we think talent lessens the need for the spirit and the power of God, we have lost our minds. We, if we've ever needed the power of God, it's in this day. And this was a good wake-up call because they came and they said they thought they had the power and they realized they didn't have the power. And Christ said, this kind, this kind, it only happens by prayer and fasting. Here's what you're going to find. If we've ever had a prayerless, careless, fastingless bunch of Christians, it's in this day. Church, I pray to God this church is different. If you've already gotten discouraged about fasting, let me encourage you to say, I want to see God do the impossible. We've, we have dealt with everything under the sun this week. Uh, family down, uh, down Austin Monday, 7 o'clock, picking up scooters, and a random man came up and shot that man uh, uh, three or four times in the chest and belly. Grace of God that he has survived Still in ICU going through surgeries. Young lady, 26, in an accident, paralyzed from the waist down, needing the grace of God. Two little kids there. They need a mama that suddenly found herself. And the world turned upside down. Mother that just lost a baby. Spent a day, another day in ICU. It's, listen, it is endless. The needs in the the people that are reaching out, and if we think we can minister without the power of God, we are so self-deceived, we're nearly hopeless. And they came, said, Christ, just tell us, because we want to fix this, just tell us. Why is it that we operate? We're going through the ritual, and we're, we're performing the commands. We're just not seeing the results. And what did Christ say? This kind. Yes. This kind going to take serious prayer and fasting.